the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Every morning is a new opportunity to take in the news of the day and the challenges of life and try to make sense of it all. Right now, we've got a show that tackles the topics and asks what you think. So get ready to start your day with a bold look at history as it happens. Let's learn, live, and sometimes laugh together. It's the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM. The answer. All right, everybody. Who knew that a Super Bowl ad would send us into a broad theological roundtable? Ah, the talk show gods are smiling. And I hope God himself is smiling as we take a look at uh, what he means when he reaches to a through scripture. 866-660-5759. The folks that he gets us were reaching to us through Super Bowl ads. It is the he gets us Every one of us ad that had a couple of eyebrows going up. And um, so I'm sitting there, I'm just sort of paying attention. I don't know, the game and just, you know, talking to Lisa, just sort of unpacking from uh, from having gone down to Fredericksburg and Lukenbach. Details to follow on that. We had a lovely time. Uh, it, and it's like, okay, at, at a certain level, as I've said a couple of times today, uh, Jesus is being featured in ads during the Super Bowl. I'm inclined to think that's a a wonderful thing. Uh, But then instantly this firestorm of finger wagging starts on social media. Um, One of the ads was, uh, who, who who is our neighbor? The neighbor may be the person you don't notice, the person you don't value. And there's like a homeless person, somebody else in some type of distress, Somebody who may or may not be transsexual, somebody just whatever. And yeah, you know, so it's like, okay, but guess what? Guess what? The people we don't notice, the people we don't value, everyone is to be valued. The first step of reaching out to people to invite them into the body of Christ is to be welcoming, to be accepting, but here's what I mean by accepting. Here's what God and Christ himself mean by accepting. Acceptance into the fold for the purpose of growing, for the purpose of discipleship, for the purpose of recognizing sin and improving from it. It's not acceptance of non-scriptural behavior, acceptance of sin. It's like, ah, keep on sinning, love you anyway. Of course, listen, God, you've heard the whole thing about love the sin, uh, you know, love, love the sinner, hate the sin. A- absolutely. But there's a process here. And that's what a lot of people's gripe was with the He Gets Us campaign is it was what's called the buddy Jesus. Just just be nice to people. You know, and I've, I've talked about this a lot myself. Speak truth with love. A lot of people focus on the love part and forget the truth part. So the other ad, somewhat longer, was about the uh, was the foot washing. Jesus didn't preach hate. He washed feet. True. True. What did that mean? What was that? It it was a call to discipleship. And it was an approach that said, I will humble myself in my invitation to you, an invitation to 
discipleship, and that means follow me, follow Christ. Not, oh, by the way, just uh, I'm, I'm going to do the foot washing here out front of the abortion clinic, which one of the uh, little freeze frames was. You know, there, there's learning for you here. And to the critics, it was like, uh, you know, too much niceness and too much humbling and not enough of the rules, <laughs> the actual rules for proper righteous living that the Bible contains. Okay, my point to all that was we've got a little bit of time here. It's a, what, a 30, 60, whatever. That was, it's, a, it's a short Super Bowl commercial. I don't think that necessarily the He Gets Us people are completely driven by, you know, the, the, the wokeness brigades. Maybe it is a somewhat more touchy-feely, buddy-buddy Jesus than the one that, that you might want portrayed. But if it's a Super Bowl commercial and X number of millions of people are watching, if it causes a, even a tiny percentage of the people watching to actually open up a Bible or actually go to a, a Bible-believing church, they will get to know the real Christ. So that made it, to me, an absolute net positive. So somebody said, yeah, Mark, uh, go to that uh, He Gets Us uh, website. Well, they're pretty forthright about what they're doing with the ad. So they write as follows. As we thought about what to do for this year's commercial, we reflected on our 2023 TV spot, Love Your Enemies. And that commercial was all about hate and division. Ultimately, it was about pride. Pride says, I'm right, you're wrong. Every image depicted people in a state of prideful contention, whether it be politicians yelling in a debate or parents fighting at a youth football game. So we thought maybe this year we'd focus on the thematic inverse of last year's commercial, one built on the premise of love and unity. And with an upcoming election year that'll be filled with division and derision, we decided to focus on one of the most important directives given by Jesus, love your neighbor. Okay, now, like so many other things. That's a lovely paragraph, but in whose hands is a question that I can understand people asking. In this election year, really, guys, what exactly do you mean? Do you mean only the people who will seem scolding from a conservative viewpoint? Do you mean only the sharp elbows that will be thrown by Republican nominees? What about the sharp elbows of the left who will suggest that you are Hitler? If you disagree with him, what about any one of a number of, uh, of of non-scriptural things actually embraced by the Democrat Party? Are you as uh, are you as exercised about those? So they, they then go into a, a bunch of detail on why they did what they did. So as for what the whole foot washing thing actually meant, the reasons why Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Even while the cross was looming, Jesus willingly walked in that direction. He knew he had to die, went to his death undeterred. And it's about the ability, the the foot washing underscores Jesus' authority to forgive sin, to know him personally, and to focus on what the real issues are. They're not financial Relational, medical, racial, they are spiritual. So this is, um, it's a way in which Christ calls you to a life of 
a, a life of surrender, which, and boy, everybody goes, surrender, that doesn't sound like strong to me. That, that doesn't even sound all that pleasant. Surrender, surrender is bad. <laughs> Surrendering to him, acknowledging who he is and your need for him. So the Christian life is marked by a daily surrender as we seek to become more like him. It transforms how we live and enables us to be more uplifted, enables us to have joy, enables us to have, obviously, ultimately, the ultimate joy in the afterlife. It is the ultimate empowering thing to surrender in that way. Okay, so end of sermon. That's what the so, so foot washing 101 there as a result of that particular ad campaign. All right, let's, let's, let's pivot to the secular. <laughs> 866 uh, Tom Cotton on Fox News Sunday talking about how we are, where we are in this crazy political maelstrom we find ourselves in. Chris Christie uh, in a tough spot uh, because he said, I'm not going to vote for Trump, but if it's Trump versus Biden, really? What, what exactly are you going to do? And a number of other things, number of questions that you uh, may want to uh, tackle and thoughts you may want to address. 866-660-5759. Mark Davis, 660 AM, The Answer. Nine twenty four eight six 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 zero five seven five nine. Already to the phones, to the phones. We are in Capel Chip. Mark Davis, welcome. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, sir? Great, thank you. I uh, just wanted to add to your uh, comments about he gets us. To me, Jesus washing feet was an act of servitude, but he was also a leader. So to wash feet, we serve, and that's part of part of what we should be doing sure. as followers of Jesus. And it is serving, and it takes more. So much of this takes more than a sixty-second ad, you know, to fully explain to people. So if the overture is about kindness and and and, uh, and sub, subservience and service to others, and that gets people to crack a Bible or go to a church. I'm I'm pretty thrilled by that. What what did you think about the I don't know if you saw it or we just have awareness of it, the whole the the He Gets Us TV campaign. Oh, I saw it. I saw the ad yeah. and I, and I, that that was the uh first I'd heard of that yeah. that group. Did it strike you as sinister like they're trying to Trojan horse a, a wimpy Jesus in on everybody? Not really. No, me neither. I just, it just didn't have Jesus in it like he should have. Well, okay, what? <laughs> describe to me an extra frame or two, or second or two, or or image or two that would have completed it more for you. I think if they'd have added Jesus washing disciples' feet, that would have well, helped that end quite a bit. Well, but I mean, okay, but the, the the actual text of the ad says Jesus didn't preach hate, which is true. He washed feet. And then it shows a bunch of people engaged in that, you know, very Mother Teresa-like uh, act as part of the representation of how that would happen in our lives. True. And I think they should have said something about service. Yeah, I, I think, um, well, well, I'll tell you what, if you hop on the website, they kind of do. And, and I know everybody's all hopped up. And Chip, thank you. Appreciate it very much. I know everybody's all hopped up. And by the way, I am too on various things. 
Um, and there really are. I mean, this this is a thing. There are like actual churches and actual you know authors and actual lecturers and actual leaders who are all about the you know come give me a hug Jesus with the glaring absence of the leader Jesus, the Jesus who leads you to righteous decision-making, leads you to scriptural behavior, leads you to his Father, leads you to bettering your life by changing your sinful behavior. Yeah, oh, that's it. That's in there too? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And maybe there's not a whole lot of that, you know, clubbing you over the head in the uh, in in the he gets us ad campaign. All right, and, and I'm all about delivering the complete story. That's that's why my whole you know point that comes from time to time about speaking truth with love. That if you speak truth without love, you can come across as harsh and drive people away. If you speak love without truth, you deceive people into thinking that it's all just about the hugs. And and not about the lessons and not about the improvement of sinful behavior. So, okay, okay. So if you put all that into the hopper, shake it around, my takeaway is in the Super Bowl, the most watched thing in America's TV annual history, there's a Jesus ad. And that strikes me as a huge net positive. Because maybe some folks are going, wow, Jesus is on the Super Bowl right alongside, uh, you know, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Aniston. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe this is something I'll check out. And in so doing, you meet the real Christ in the actual Bible and at a Bible-believing church. All right, 866-660-5759. Tom Cotton on, uh, on, on with Shannon Bream last, uh, yesterday morning. And... The way the the place that we find ourselves uh, is an incredibly curious one, because you you and again wrapped around all of it, wrapped around all of it is the complexity of a a, a president unable to function, and the question of who really is running the country. So you have obviously domestic things that 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 are a daily concern one presumes, but also. Wars on fire across the world that we have a a proper role in in terms of our support of Israel, which is flagging by the day as America under Biden continually just continually scolds Israel to hey, guys stop winning this war. You guys are it's way too much winning. You guys are doing way too many successful things. Stop it. Because the def, you know what the definition of a successful war is? It's when you kill enough of the enemy that they stop fighting you. I've told you that for for decades. Now, obviously, in killing the enemy, there are going to be some people who die who are not the uniformed members of the of, of the force you're battling. There's no way to avoid that. Israel drops leaflets to tell you, here's where we're going next. So that means that the constant call from Joe Biden's Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, and from the media culture and from the Hamas wing of the Democrat Party. For, oh, ceasefire now, ceasefire now. Now? In the middle of a war that we're winning? Exactly. Because there are people who don't want Israel to win the war. Prime Minister Netanyahu had a word or two about them. Share that with you next. Mark Davis, 930, Nikki Whaley in the newsroom. stretch on a Monday. 
So among the things that are important to to have a president who knows what he's doing, uh, and not just by virtue of knowing what room he's in, what day it is, et cetera, et cetera, but knows what he's actually doing, it is the need for our foreign policy to have sanity. Now, sanity, I know a lot of people, you know, it's human nature that sane is what I believe and insane is what you believe if we have a disagreement about this. Um Obviously, my foreign policy is as conservative as my domestic policies are, but objectively speaking, it is a good idea to be skeptical about continuing additional billions down the rat hole of Ukraine when there's no way that uh, even with a a bevy of international help that Ukrainian forces are going to drive Putin from Ukrainian soil. It's not going to happen. A negotiated settlement is the only rational way to proceed. In Israel, we have an ally, the only Western-style democracy in the region, the only one, and uh, with, with history and faith and global strategy fueling the logic of our alliance, we have an entire political party that is ready to bail on them. Because, uh, wow, looks like Israel Winning a war that Hamas started makes makes the, the Palestinians look bad, which is tough for the Palestinian wing of the Democratic Party, but it also uh, creates some unfortunate attention for those on that side of the degree to which Palestinian interests are guided by the the blood soaked hands of terrorist Hamas, and and that's those are tough optics for them, and for those reasons, that's why you get these constant calls for ceasefire. And, and and this administration that started out talking a good game about support for Israel, now you get this. I'm of the view, as you know, that the conduct of the response in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip uh. has been um, over the top. Now, pardon the production music on top of that. That was this week with, with Stephanopoulos, guest hosted by Jonathan Carl, who welcomed Prime Minister Netanyahu. And there is Joe Biden talking about how the, the Israeli response has been, I don't know, uh, over the top. Was D-Day over the top? Were the victories that that guided us to, to vanquishing uh, the Third Reich and Imperial Japan? I mean, there are some folks who think dropping bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki Nagasaki was over the top. Guess what? End of the war with less Japanese death than continuing the war would have had. What do those things all have in common? It It was what it looked like for America to win wars. When you win wars, certain tolls will be exacted. So there's Prime Minister Netanyahu. Now, keeping in mind, there's John Carl asking from the media wing of Hamas. Let me ask you right away, what, what's your response to President Biden saying the response in Gaza has been over the top? Well, I appreciate President Biden's support for Israel since the beginning of the war. Mm-hmm. Lead with graciousness. Always lead with graciousness. Uh, I don't know exactly what he meant by that. Best answer, because uh, you don't want to actually do a lot of riffing on what he probably meant by that, which is that the pro-Hamas wing of my party is wants me to pull the rug out from under you. But put yourself in Israel's shoes. 
we were attacked, unprovoked attack, murderous attack on October 7th, the worst attack on Jewish people since the Holocaust. And let me tell you, uh, I, I think we've responded uh, in a way that goes after the terrorists and tries to minimize the civilian population in which the terrorists embed themselves and use them as human shields. We dropped thousands of flyers. We phoned Palestinians in their homes. We asked them to leave. We give them safe corridors and safe zones. So I think we're, we're doing the right thing. And now, let me tell you one other thing. We're going to win this thing. Victory is within reach. But you've had more than 28,000 people killed, according to the uh, Ministry of Health in Gaza. And you always go to the Ministry of Health in Gaza for for um, for for pure objective medical uh, statistical reliability. He's he's not letting the, the, this the American media, the Democrat, they're uh, or the willing stenographers of the Democrat Party will not let this go. Uh, you've had hundreds of thousands that have been forced from their homes. You have a lack of water, a lack of food. It's a war. It's a war. It's a war. Don't you feel a moral obligation to do more, to do something to protect uh, what is seen as a to, to stop what is seen as a catastrophe? Seen by whom? I think that any civilian uh, loss, any civilian casualty is a tragedy, uh, and it's a tragedy that is forced upon us by Hamas. Thank you. But let me tell you something. I'd be cautious with the Hamas uh, statistics, and I can tell you that. Uh, according to these uh, urban warfare experts and other commentators, uh, we've brought down the civilian to terrorist casualties, the ratio, down below one to one, which is uh, considerably less than in any other theater of similar uh, warfare. And we're going to do more. We're going to wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're, you're saying it's only been one civilian that's been killed for one Hamas terrorist in Gaza? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Want to ask me again? We've killed. Uh, uh, um, We've killed and wounded over 20,000 uh, uh, Hamas terrorists. Out of that, about 12,000 uh, uh, 12, uh, fighters. And we're doing everything we can to minimize civilian casualties and continue to do so. But one thing we're not going to do is we're not going to let Hamas emerge victorious. And if we leave, it'll be a tremendous victory for the Iran terror axis. It's bad for everyone. Yeah, you've directed the Israeli Defense Forces to evacuate uh, Rafah in advance of this ground invasion where are those people supposed to go this is this is this is a town a key a, 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 a town that is a key part of the gaza hamas operation network 1.4 million people many of whom have fled uh, northern gaza i mean they're living in tents where are these people supposed to go well rafa is a is a very small percentage of uh, gaza and i think it's about 10 percent or 15 percent i mean the estimates uh, are area north of gaza that has already been clear you won't even let him finish sentences this, this is not going well uh, for John Carl, not going well for the pro-Hamas American media. Well, there's, there's an estimated 1.4 million people in that area right now, and and as the as the Germ, German that, foreign minister said, right. they can't they can't they can't just disappear. Where are they supposed to go? No, well, the, the areas that we've cleared north of Rafa are uh, plenty of areas there, but uh, we are working out a detailed plan to do so, and that's what we've done up to now. We're not uh, uh, we're not cavalier about this. This is part of our war effort to get civilians out of harm's way. It's part of Hamas's effort to keep them in harm's way. But we've so far succeeded, and we're going to succeed again. Those who say that under no circumstances should we enter Rafah are basically saying, lose the war. Keep- Precisely, which is what John Carl is saying. It's what Joe Biden is saying. It's what the Democrat Party is saying. It's what the American media are saying. Hamas there. And Hamas has promised to do the October 7th massacre over and over and over again. But the Biden administration says it will be a disaster if you go into Rafah. And- Biden administration says. 
its way. And it's not just uh, the Biden administration. It's your it's your allies in the region. I mean, we, we've heard uh, some allies. Yeah, we're supposed to be an ally, uh, too. Uh, how, how are we doing at that? From the Egyptian foreign minister that it would be a disaster, a disastrous consequences. The UAE is warning of exacerbation. Yeah, the, yeah, the Arab world, the Arab world is upset. I mean, and by the way, between Egypt and the UAE and Qatar and Kuwait and, and all you know manner of that, there are plenty of Jordan. King Abdullah of Jordan uh, meets with Biden today. I wonder if he'll be aware that he's in the room. Uh, there are nice, nice alliances, mostly forged by the Abraham Accords under Trump. Thank you very much. So these are people whose concerns I'm glad to hear, but uh, they're trying to win a war here. Uh, the, the, uh, the catastrophe, the humanitarian catastrophe in Gaza. I mean, aren't you, uh, is any of this giving you second thought about going in and doing this? Nope. The answer is, John, they don't have to give me second thoughts about uh, taking care of the civilian population, uh, along with uh, the provision of uh, the necessary humanitarian aid. We've been doing it, and I've been directing it systematically. Victory is within reach. It has to be understood. And victory will be the best thing that will happen, not only for Israel, but for the Palestinians themselves. I can't see a future for the Palestinians or for peace in the Middle East if Hamas is victorious. You've defined victory, and you said the war will not end until Hamas is completely eliminated. How are you going to know when that is? How do you know when Hamas is completely eliminated? When you uh, eliminate their uh, organized fighting formations, and as I've said, we've taken 18 out of their 24 terrorist battalions out of commission. Uh, You're mopping up the remaining uh, individual terrorists. Uh, And when you uh, release the hostages, of course, and ensure that Hamas, uh, that uh, Gaza is no longer a threat to Israel, you don't have to kill every last terrorist. You didn't have to kill every last ISIS terrorists, but you made sure that uh, uh, that ISIS was finished as a military force. You have to dismantle Hamas as a military uh, a military force that controls territory. That's it. That is it. This it's, it's amazing when you have clarity and the desire to win a war up against the simpering uh, Johnny One Note questioning of John Carl. Who's, who's not interested in Israel winning the war. And by the way, asking challenging questions is fine. It's perfectly fine. But just three, four, five, six times. Does that give you second thoughts? Yes, all this, all this winning, all this success. Yeah, but what about, you know, what about what the you know Hamas medical authorities say? Well, they're on the losing end. They're on the terrorist end of a war. So uh, maybe take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. Now, here's something you can take to the bank. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas on with uh, on with Shannon Bream yesterday. And they were and, and they were talking about just sort of the foreign policy messes of of the moment about whom the president will stand with and whom he won't. Ukraine for as long as it takes. For three years, though, he's allowed an invasion to occur at our border. Almost 10 million migrants have crossed into our country. So last fall, we want to take the opportunity to force the president's hand, uh, uncooperative president, to force him to close down the border. Now, what this is on the occasion of is the Senate advancing this Ukraine and Israel funding package without um, any uh, meaningful attention to making our border better. Especially to stop the abuses of asylum and parole practices, which is really driving this crisis. So we engaged in a few months of negotiations to see what the Democratic priorities are, and we learned that the priorities are open borders, not securing our border, putting Ukraine and other countries' borders ahead of our own border. And that's why that legislation went down. It wasn't because we wanted to pass any bill just for the sake of passing a bill. It's we want to solve the problem. And 
the Democrats simply were unwilling to solve the problem because they are ideologically invested in open borders. Is that why you'll be a no on the overall foreign aid package? Well, yeah, we did spend four months promising the American people that we would secure our own border before we focused on other countries' borders. That's one thing. But also the legislation that's left, I have serious concerns about the $19 billion of non-defense aid in there. A lot of that money in there is needful. You know, I think James Lankford did as good a job as he could negotiating with a bunch of stubborn Democrats. Mm -hmm. Apparently the last good thing Lankford did. Susan Collins did a great job in trying to get more defense aid and less non-defense aid. But at the end of the day, you still have $19 billion. That's almost 20% of the total going to things like budget support for Ukraine's government. Almost half of that 19... Also known as paying off their uh, deficits as a country. Uh, Any one of a wide variety of things that we're essentially propping up the entire Ukrainian government billion dollars could go to Gaza, which really means going to Hamas, because Hamas doesn't commandeer aid. It doesn't steal aid. It accepts aid. It's the governing authority in Gaza, and the guardrails in the bill simply aren't adequate. And that $19 billion couldn't be spent at all when we have, at a time when we have trillion-dollar deficits, or it could be spent on things like three new Virginia-class submarines or 170 stealth fighters or more than 5,000 precision strike missiles. So- or, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe some of it could go to 900 miles of wall. How about that? We keep coming back to the wall because it works. Favoring it means you are serious about our borders. Opposing it means you're not, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Ah, quite, quite the Monday. After uh, after quite the weekend, I have a feeling it's going to be an interesting news-heavy week. Glad to take the first chunk of it out for you. Mark Davis, 660 AM, The Answer. Final word and a, a great, great rock and roll birthday next. Last song recorded by Jim Morrison before his death, Riders on the Storm, for L.A. Woman, 1971. That is the keyboard work of Ray Manzarek, who would have been 85 today, passed away back in 13. But in 2004, I'm out covering the uh, Democrat convention in Los Angeles. And, and I don't know exactly, it's the same, it's weird because we had Jeff Skunk Baxter of the Doobie Brothers, speaking of Michael McDonald's birthday. And, uh, and he was quite the, the foreign policy conservative. And Ray Manzarek, who was sort of the earth shoes wearing libertarian, it was thoroughly enjoyable. Ray was a cool guy. So a little, little, a little of his work on Riders of the Storm take us out. And as we head on out and send you into this beautiful day, from producer Ron Decay Moreland on Twitter at producer Ron Decay, R O N D A capital K. Thank you, Jimmy Kersey, for filling in for Mr. Matt today, as he will do all week. Superb job. And speaking of superb jobs, Nikki Whaley in the newsroom. Thank you. And we all thank you for hanging out with us. God bless our troops, our country, our families. Way to go, Chiefs. And I bet we'll have a fresh rack of stuff to talk about tomorrow. So see you then, 7 a.m., ready to go tomorrow morning for the Tuesday show. Mark Davis on 660 a.m. The Answer. Be good.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.